Welcome to Akasha Talks, a podcast on consciousness, healing, and different ways to interact and weave those together, both old and new, to be able to get the most out of your life. I'm your host, Lance Baker, coming to you from Newcastle, Australia. Hope you kick back, relax, and enjoy the show. This week, I've got Oscar de Sousa on. He's from the Central Coast of Australia, and he's developed process for empaths to help them master that gift that most would have felt as being an actual burden. But he turns this ability to feel what's going on with other people with their emotions and things within their body into a healing tool. So he's got this empath therapist course that he runs where he teaches people how to tap in with this. So we talk about this process. We also talk about the human energy field and chakras and spirit. It's a fantastic talk. I really enjoy the chat. He is somebody I will be having back on the show. He has some fantastic knowledge about a lot of different things. Now, please do bear with us for the last 10, 15 minutes of the show. My main mic system failed and I had to use the backup, which did not record the sound anywhere near as well. It's a drummier sort of sound, so it does change. I apologize, but this is exactly why we have backups. I have better backups now. (laughs) It don't sound so drummy for if this ever happens in the future. So anyway, on with the show. Let me introduce you to Oscar. Uh, sit back, relax, and enjoy. So welcome, Oscar. I'd love to speak to you about different things, about spirit and energy yep. and consciousness. So welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Uh, now, you've got a special workshop that you've yep. designed for Empaths. Yeah. So I'd like to ask you a little bit first about that. And probably before that, what is Napath? Right. Well, it did start off as a workshop and now it's um, developed to become a, I believe, Australia's first accredited empath therapist course, um, which I aim to do with the intention of converting what is a burden into actually a tool. Um, So more aimed at empaths. So there are people on this earth, we all have empathy, um, some more than others. Um, but, and a lot of people think that an empath is just a person who's heavily um, gifted with empathy abilities, but it isn't. Um, what it is, it's quite a complex thing and it's got to do more so with the infrastructure of how their spirit is sitting inside their body and how their chakras are functioning that enables them to become a vacuum to every emotion in close proximity. Some in close proximity and some even really far distances um, where a lot of people are not, up till recently, were not aware of why they were feeling so many emotions. And so the course was developed to detail the function of what actually is happening within an empath So how the spirit is sitting in their body, how their chakras are functioning to enable them to be such a powerful receptor of other people's emotions. 
And as you know that for many years, people with this burden or gift, see it however you want, um, have been subjugated to it. So have suffered it, not knowing how to deal with it no, and not knowing how to cope with it other than self-medication or medication by doctors, um, being told, you know, antidepressants, calmatives basically just to turn the volume down. Um, and it's always been pretty much approached from a mental health issue. And therefore, that's where it stopped. But coming from a spiritual perspective or a spiritual perception, um, it's nothing to do with the burden. It's actually a very powerful gift. And these people are on the earth basically to facilitate other people or enable other people to be more tuned in to what's going on inside of themselves. As you would know, and I'm sure a lot of people have noticed this, um, a lot of humans are puppets on a string. Um, their emotions control the way they perceive, how they react, how they function totally. Uh, their emotions even determine the basic things such as what they're going to wear that day. And so emotions is, a, I believe, a very, at this stage in the world, very underrated. Um, it's seen as a psychological thing and it's not really acknowledged as an energy or spiritual aspect. The empath therapist course not only details but substantiates that function so that when a person who is a gifted empath and is walking around, you know, closed, doesn't want to leave the house, probably self-medicating, self-harming, um, suffering nervous disorders, and probably not very good at communicating with people either, yeah. um, they can turn around and by the end of the day, by listening to this course, they can turn around and go, right, I'm not crazy. <laughs> no wonder this is happening and so it's enabling a burden into a tool and a powerful gift that can facilitate other people in doing so there are many books about self-help books um, there are many spiritual approaches in um, how a person can connect with their spirit how a person can understand what's going on inside of them the empath therapist course actually is structured in a way that when an empath therapist sits with a client, at the end of the session, indirectly, that person's mind has actually folded within and turned within to decode how their chakras are resonating. So without, without too much causes or kerfuffle, that person's brain, it's probably the first time that person's brain or their mind has decided to connect to their chakras and inadvertently connect to the body. So there's a mind, body and spirit alignment like that. So really, it's quite a revolutionary course, yeah. Mm. yeah. Yeah, it sounds like. For those people who don't know that they're an empath and just think they're a little bit crazy or something like what are some of the, the symptoms that people would experience that might help them realize, oh, I'm actually an empath and there might be something right. out there for me? To, ev um, to empaths, um, there's usually a dual communication going on. Um, so with an empath, whenever someone's talking to an empath, the empath will firstly initially feel that person's emotions. Secondly, the, person, the empath will then listen to what the person is saying. And so empaths feel the people's energy, feel their emotions, and then secondly, hear what they're saying. And so quite often with an empath, they get themselves in hot water because they will be re either reacting or re responding to the emotions that the person has emitted not necessarily just the words. And so sometimes that can get them in hot water because the other person can simply just shut that, 
perimeter down and refer to what they were saying, not how they were saying it or what emotions they were relating through their tone. Empaths hear people's tone, empaths feel people's energy, feels people's emotions and monitor the person's behavior even down to how they're um, standing, sitting, everything. They're so sensitive to that. And then the second thing is what that person is saying. So for instance, in the corporate world, when people have to tell someone what to do, if these, if these empaths are working in a corporate world and they have um, someone above them, like a supervisor, what have you, that supervisor is being either condescending or having some form of sarcasm or innuendo, um, using words as a play, the empath will feel the emotion that that individual is trying to jab into them and then what that person's saying. And a lot of empaths then, in that moment, what I find, they're called the reactive empath. Or when a parent comes home and tells a child, you know, tidy up your room. The child heard tidy up your room second. What the child heard firstly was, I'm pissed off. Yes. <laughs> I'm, I'm at my tether, you know, I'm, I'm at my wit's end. The child will hear that and react to that. And so sometimes empaths teach a person, watch your emotions, control your emotions, and don't let your emotions consume, consume you and enable you to project them into me. Mm. So, yeah. Excellent. Uh, now, the main basis of this therapy system is the, the chakra links of the emotion that sits in there? Um, as in the course? Yes. No, the, co the course begins with the basic concepts of what an empath is. Yeah. Then it goes into... Um, the detailed function of what's happening. So basically there are images that define the whole concept of how the spirit is sitting in the body and how the sh chakras are functioning. Mm -hmm. So for people who don't know how a chakra functions, it's a bit like a whirlpool. Or when you put a teaspoon in a glass of water and you stir it, there's a dual, dual activity happening. The fluid or the liquid will spin upwardly, but the center of the liquid will turn into a funnel. So there's a duality. There's energy emitting out of the chakra and there's energy absorbing into the chakra. With an empath, their chakras generally absorb a lot more than what they emit. Hence them being in a room and their chakras absorbing all the emotions and energy in close proximity. And if the, if the person's not trained, you can imagine the, the tumultuous amounts of emotion and energy that are gonna be vacuumed into that person's emotions. And then that person can't decipher between what's theirs and what's external. And a lot of times, Till this stage and prior to them doing this course, they generally assume those emotions are coming from within them. So what the human mind tends to do is microanalyze. What am I feeling? Why am I feeling this? Where is it coming from? And they stop there. And that's because they didn't take into account that their chakras were absorbing on a various scale all the energies that were coming in. So when an empath is then trained after this course and they're in the presence of someone, they're going to be vigilant between the two levels of communication. What's being said and the emotions and energy that's being delivered. Rather than assume that it's theirs, they'll be able to locate and differentiate between themselves and what's outside of themselves. Sounds like a fantastic tool for people that experience that sort of thing. Yeah, I, I believe that the more that superficiality surfaces on this earth, the more that egoism, materialistic um, tendencies surface in people, um, 
there will always be the opposite polarity. And that opposite polarity are the empaths. People are starting to um, have to bite their tongue um, due to political correctness. People are starting to question their mind and question their third eye. Um, people are starting to protect their heart uh, and be prudent from deception. People's solar plexus, for instance, are constantly on a flight and fight mode because we're enshackled by the dominance of time. Um, people's navels, they're feeling sick in the stomach and they don't know why. And then, of course, there's the base chakra and that's being blocked as well because their motivation, passion um, and free will is being slowly stripped away from them. So the way the world is, is a beautiful place, but whilst the physical aspect of this earth and the mortal structure of this earth evolves, um, so must the soul. And empaths are the key to enabling people to enjoy their material world, enjoy the world as it is, but be aware of what's going on inside of them as well. Yeah. Sounds great. Uh, now you'd said before about the spirit coming in yep. through the chakras. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about that so people can understand where you're coming from? With right. Um, well, we all know that we have a current in us. We all know that there is an energy inside of us. Yes. Um, we all know that there's an electromagnetic energy that we emit. Um, so much so that even this whole concept of 5G and the imposing effect it has on people's meridians. Um, so, civilizations have come and gone, many different religions have talked about spirit and energy and what's on the other side. And it gets all convoluted to the point people don't really know what's right or wrong anymore because everyone has their own opinion. Mm. Um, the course actually breaks down in absolute detail um, how a soul that's circular, that's living in a dimension out of the third dimension, and it goes into explaining how that soul refracts itself from a fourth or fifth dimension into a third dimension in order to occupy a biological vehicle. So in, sim in the most simplest way for this interview, um, when a male and a female conceive, there's a single cell that's formed. Mm -hmm. That fusion is extraordinarily powerful. A lot of people probably don't realize that, but I'm sure science will eventually come to develop equipment to quantify and visually see that massive fusion of energy. In doing so, what that happens is that there is energy that controls chemistry and chemistry controls biology. Up till recently, we've assumed that chemistry controls biology and we've sort of disregarded the concept of energy. Now, energy and spirit is pretty much the same thing. It refers to the light dimension. So when that single cell is formed, there's something else that's been um, influencing that cell in multiplying, not just the chemistry of the mother eating her food and nutrients and all that. The intelligence that determines what cell goes where um, scientists are even trying to figure that one out. Mm -hmm. So what happens is as that single cell is formed, a powerful vortex or magnet occurs and a soul that's circular starts to refract itself. The refraction occurs as a cellular multiplication starts to happen. So, so scientifically, through meiosis and mitosis, the cells multiply and multiply and multiply. As each individual cell is starting to multiply, this energy, this soul, refracting itself starts to take access and occupy every single cell and as the embryonic and fetal stages occur this soul starts to hook itself delicately 
into the endocrine system. And it, as we all know, the endocrine system is an imperative part of human function. Nine months later, you have this soul that's literally hooked itself into those main vortexes which are tied to the endocrine system, whilst it's also connected to every single cell in the body. And there are many other chakras apart from the seven chakras. Nine months later, you've got this amazing intelligent being made of light, referred to by humans as a soul, sitting inside that biological form. Naturally, once that biological form comes onto this earth, its five senses kick in. Its brain starts to get active. So really, there's a soul sitting inside that body before the brains even become programmed. Mm. Um, I believe the soul owns the body and owns the brain. So much so that when we die, we leave everything behind, the brain and the body, and the soul's left on its own with what it acquired from that lifetime. So then we start to teach that little baby an identity, a name, how to walk, how to talk, how to eat, how to dress, how to function as a human being. And then through time, we're led to believe that our mind is in charge of our body. And the concept of spirit is this elusive topic that we don't really know much about. Mm. Um, but that's pretty much how a soul gets onto this earth. Why? Because we come to this earth specifically for only two reasons. One, to evolve, for the soul to evolve. And two, to share our wisdom with others that we meet on this earth. You would know that the older we become as a human being, the more emotions we acquire through experiences and circumstances, we become wiser, more, some more than others. <clears throat> That's it. That's exactly what the soul does. It comes to this earth, acquires itself a biological vehicle to acquire emotions seen as variable frequencies of energy that make up a resonance that to a human brain can be interpreted by the approach of emotion. And whilst there may be a chemical effect in the, in the body that enables that emotion, there's also an energy that's part of the spirit. I'll give you an example. If something terrible was about to happen suddenly, the first thing that would happen is our mind would see what's happening and straight away our solar plexus would either go into a flight or fight mode. Mm. So our mind is perceiving something, but our chemistry is reacting to an emotion. Fear trigger the chemistry to release the adrenaline. So emotions are very integral to how we work as a human being, but also how the soul is acquiring emotions and what purpose. Some people think, why would my soul put itself in a situation to acquire such adversity or brutality or cruelty? Mm. And that's the ego going, why would I do that? Because that's the last thing anyone would do. But it's about the soul's evolution, keeping in mind our mind and our body cease to function. But that soul needed those emotions for its evolution. Mm. Um, when I point that out in consultation with individuals, they tend to go, right and they're able to free themselves from the past adversity the reason people can't move on from severe trauma is because they don't understand why did i go through that mm. and when you point out to them it's not just about you and your mind and your body it's why did your soul need to acquire those emotions that's when a person goes didn't see it that way so even with the most brutal cruel things that happen on this earth 
The soul is acquiring something positive. The ego is acquiring torment, but the soul acquired profound emotions. Mm -hmm. So as we all know, bad, when bad things happen, we learn from that. Yes. So does the soul evolve from that. Mm. Yeah, it changes the pathway of what it can do. Yeah. Uh, and what it can avoid in the future or Absolutely. understand. And now, up to recently, the concept of energy has always been a weird thing. Keeping in mind since the 30s, scientists have been researching what electromagnetic energy is, and even as far as finding out the impacts it has on human people, or on humans. So, electromagnetic energy is a lot more than what people are acknowledging at the moment. Um, technology, science has even developed equipment to use that. Um, for defense purposes, for telecommunication purposes, for medical purposes, mm. lasers, things like that. So it's not like electromagnetic energy is um, an illusion um, no. or um, something that's elusive. It's now become factual, scientific, and devices have even been developed on that. So we've now reached a point that technology has now proven that electromagnetic energy is a reality. So some people think, oh no, doom and gloom. And I've gone, no. Indirectly, they've just proven that electromagnetic energy is a reality and that human people actually have an electromagnetic energy field because their studies have even um, included the assessment on how that affects our electromagnetic energy. Um, people know that when they walk past a television, they get static. So people are starting to realize there's an energy inside of them. And in that simple form, that energy is an intelligent being, an entity made of exactly that energy that's inside our human body that humans refer to as a soul. Mm. Mm. Talk a little bit about the, the difference between the mind yeah. and the soul, like the, the true will and the story we tell ourselves, things mm -hmm. like that. So a lot of people get lost in that difference. <laughs> well, that's a good thing. <clears throat> I think confusion brews um, alertness. Everyone, whether they're a young child, middle-aged, <clears throat> even elderly people, experience what I call an inner voice, where the spirit <clears throat> is saying something and the mind is wanting another thing. For instance, relationships, especially empaths. Now, a lot of people are going to hear this, and I know it's going to ring true to you. Um, you're in a relationship. Your mind wants it to work. Your mind wants to believe that this is the best relationship, and it's awesome. And then through time, the spirit starts to go, no, nah, something's not right. No, nah, something's not right. Um, ask that person where they've been. What do they do? Who do they see? Oh, check that person's mobile. And the person starts to feel very uncomfortable with the very thing that the mind is in love with. Mm. And a lot of people, after 20 years, I've heard this, where the person wants to believe one thing and the soul saying another thing. Now, generally, the mind straight away, the ego goes into self-preservation mode. And goes, well, I've got a mortgage, I've got kids, I've got expenses, I've got all these. How am I going to get out of this situation? I can't. I should just suck it up and deal with it. And then it keeps on going further and further. Keeping in mind, I mentioned the spirit owns the body. Mm. So the spirit's going to have the final say. 
And that is when the spirit starts to shut down and go, oh, really? You don't want, you, I don't want to be in this situation. You're forcing me into it? Fine. And then that's when anxiety, depression starts to happen. Adrenals go off the scale. They can't sleep. They can't eat. Their bowel system goes out of whack. Their pH system goes out of whack. And their mood swings go out of whack. And they don't know what to believe anymore. Then, patience is a wonderful thing. Because through time, that empath eventually comes to see the truth. Either they find out that person was unfaithful. Or that person ends up telling them, I'm not happy, I'm leaving. Mm. That empath gets devastated by that outcome and forgets that months before, if not years before, they saw that coming. <laughs> they don't turn around and go, awesome, my spirit was right, my ego was wrong. What an empowering lesson this was. They don't do that. No. They fall and go, oh my God, you know, they don't love me anymore. What am I going to do about my life? And then I sit down with the person and I can take them Generally, I can even take them to the precise moment when it started. And then the person says, yeah, I did. I was, I was agitated. I couldn't sleep properly in the bed. Something made me want to look at their phone. I would question them. They would shut me down. They would pull the wool over my eyes, make it seem as I was insecure. I would then recoil. And then in the end, Oscar, you're right. I knew that was going to happen. I'm like, well, then, don't you think this is a very powerful tool? Your inner voice which pertains to the spirit, you heard. That is revolutionary. Because reading self-help books, go and see all these gurus and blah, 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 blah. Um, nothing is, is as that powerful as that moment where they can actually reflect when their spirit kicked in and started to go, no, 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 danger, danger. And the moment when they, their mind said, shut up, mm. and then the outcome. And if they can sit there and microanalyze that, how the mind reacted and how the outcome was correct based on what the spirit said, it is quite an enlightening, empowering experience. Yes. Simply because their spirit, the inner voice was already talking to them. Yeah. It goes with work. Some souls will turn around and go, I've shared and acquired what I needed from here. I need to move on. I've got more things to do in life. The mind, I'm too old to study. I've got kids. I've got all these others. No, 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 no. Spirit starts to go, I'm not happy with this job. The mind goes, no, we've got expenses. We've got rent, mortgages, credit cards to pay. Need to go to work. And then all of a sudden, the person starts to feel sick at work or feel sick before they go to work. And all of a sudden, their immune system starts to play up. And they feel sick and really moody and they feel trapped and enslaved. And then a couple of months later, they get fired or made redundant. They don't recall back and go, hmm, I saw this one coming they get upset at that outcome of being fired or made redundant. So the world's now reached a point where people are starting to listen to that inner voice. And that inner voice is an intelligent being made of pure energy that humans refer to as a soul. We live in two dimensions. Whilst your biological vehicle and my biological vehicle is undeniably factually here in this room, the energy that occupies your body and my energy are in the quantum levels. It's in the light dimension. So we actually are beings that live in two different dimensions. Our soul is resonating in the light dimension and our body is very much in this dimension. And I believe the future will have it where people will start to become aware of this and science will start to prove this. Yeah. 
now I'm, I'm a big lover of meditation and yeah. I've found personally that's my way of being able to listen to yeah. that that moment yeah <laughs> uh, is is that your thoughts on that or have you got um, yeah. different ways of um, connecting to that that message as you probably know I've been running the energy current meditation for about 10 years now mm-hmm. in Australia and <clears throat> The reason I call it an energy current meditation is because the meditation enables people to feel the energy that they are within the body that they're in. That said, um, yeah, I've had a lot of people um, who think and they're there to meditate, but they're wondering, did I like the car? Is it the second song? He told me to breathe out. Oh, that's right, I've got to go out. Oh, no, I'm thinking. Oh, now I'm angry that I'm... And they all end up that way. So the energy that I run is pure energy. In other words, even if a person has a lot of mind thinking, I'm able to increase the energy field in the room by about 10 times fold that enables the person to feel that energy and they get knocked out. That's that also people tend to go, Oscar, how do I sign up my mind? I said, you can't. Well, why can't you? I said, because you're using your mind to silence itself, which is a bit going against the whole thing. I said, but if you learn to observe the mind is where you can harness a little bit more of control. So the first point that I suggest people to do is when they're in meditation, don't fight what's going on, but to observe it. I find that humans don't observe themselves as much as they should. We don't observe ourselves. We are... We are in a kind of way, puppets on extreme. So people don't observe the chain of thoughts that they have. They are those chains of thoughts. People don't observe the way that their mind um, is judgmental, defensive. Um, they, they just are, like puppets on extreme. So meditation helps people sit there and confront their mind and go, wow, look at my ego. <laughs> so if I'm watching my ego, where am I at the moment? And that can happen swiftly in one session, and it can sometimes take a few sessions. But meditation enables a person to, first of all, confront the automatic machine that's constantly going from past, present, future, future, past, present. The brain's constantly moving. Okay. No. no, okay. <laughs> Sorry. So the brain's constantly moving. So when we start to become apparent, it becomes apparent, going, oh my God, look at that mind thinking, look at that, look at the fears. Look at the judgment. Look at the reaction. We start to develop access through a neurological pathways that accesses a lot part of the brain that is dormant. Most humans don't use 100% of the brain. Actually, no human uses 100% of the brain. So there's gray matter there that enables the mind, the forebrain and the ego, to connect to that connects to the spirit. And in order to get this correct access to this area, you have to, first of all, observe the ego, monitor the thought patterns, monitor the perceptions, the reactions, and be open to it to go, right, you, when people deny they have an ego, that's where the blockages begin. Yeah. We all have an ego, and there's a reason behind that. Um, so in meditation, when people start to see, oh my God, that's why I'm thinking this way, people don't realize thoughts of energy. For instance, have you ever had people say to you, our life's just shit. I'm never going to find love. This is 
These chain of thoughts they have daily, right? So naturally here in the future, that's exactly what they can experience because this is what they're remitting back here in time. So here they don't realize that all this time they've been emitting that perception. So of course they're going to manifest that perception. They don't realize they're partly responsible for co-creating their reality. So when people start to confront that their thoughts are toxic and can manifest, then they start, they're able to start reprogram their thinking and they can only reprogram their thinking if they see what thinking they have in the first place. A friend of mine, she calls it stinking thinking, which is, you know, this world is shit. I don't like this job. I'm not happy. This is the, so they're projecting that into their future and then walking themselves into it. And it's a vicious cycle. All that can stop simply by meditation and being still and being tuned into the vital functions that makes a person stay alive. Like while I'm talking, I'm sure that whoever's watching this at the moment, this is going to be a good example. As I'm talking with Lance, are you aware that you're even breathing? I'm sure now everyone's gone, <laughs> which we all do. So that's how far the mind is disconnected from the vital function of the body. We're not aware of our heart pace. We're not aware of our breath. Now, if meditation brings the mind to align to those simple vital functions, and as the mind is being aware of the breath and of that heartbeat, that's when the mind can start opening up to the energy that's resonating inside it. Practice makes perfect. People expect that they'll go in and everything's going to be fixed in one go, but it's not the case, no. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and that thoughts becoming reality is full on. I, I know it's a difference. Waking up on the wrong side of the bed. Yeah. Uh, my life can turn to shit very quickly. quickly. Uh, Learn to spot that. Yeah. First 15 seconds. Yeah. <laughs> the first 15 seconds is what determines the next minute. That minute determines the next five, and the next five minutes determines the rest of the hour. So if you wake up and you think, this will be shit, I don't want shit, then that's going to be a really hard situation for you to work out, work yourself out of. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Uh, and it also works, I heard you talk about it with the healing sense. Of the paper, paper cup theory. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. Quite often people get a paper cup. And like everyone, we tend to look at it and touch it. And sometimes we actually enjoy the pain a little bit. <laughs> and then, oh, you know, I've got to put a Band-Aid on it. Oh, dear. It gets red. It gets infected. And it gets more sensitive. Then there are people, same people, who get a paper cup, but in that moment, life is too demanding. They've got so much to do, so many obligations to meet, that they don't have time to even pay attention to that. And it's just a paper cup. Before you know it, the next day they look at it and they're like, oh, it's virtually gone. So that is a, a simple effect on how our mind can project into ourselves. The fact that we're putting fear, fear, preoccupied, concerned, worried, it's all negative. That's going to get like that. But if you read, if your mind and the spirit in the mind tells the cells, go back to how you were, it's going to be fine. It'll go back to how it was and retain that reality that it was optimal. Then it adjusts to it. It's like spiritual healing as well, which is very difficult for a lot of people because the mind has taken on the human reality of the infliction that they may have in their body 
So when someone tells you, oh, you have this, oh, and it's here, then it's very hard for that mind to say, thanks for diagnosing, thanks for locating, now I'm going to recalibrate it. No, we tend to go, shit, and then that's where that doom and gloom starts to fall and medication, and then people don't know how to get with it and gets worse and things like that. So the orientation of the mind is very important to be more so not only orientated into the world, but the orientation of the mind to be connected to the spirit that's inside the person and the energy, because our energy is a vital part of why we're even on this earth. Yes. Uh, for an empath, and I call them for anybody, uh, if they can't make your your class that you've got here uh, yeah. two weeks time, or uh, or your online version yeah. later on, uh, what's a little tool that you'd recommend for, for an empath to to be able to contain themselves for a bit, just a little bit? Um, observe yourself. Don't be puppeted by the emotions that resonate within you. Um, write them down. Um, if you need to, go see a doctor, go see a psychiatrist, go see someone like Lance. Um, there are people, many, many people on this earth that destiny has put on this earth to facilitate people such as empaths. Um, but the first thing is be objective with what you're feeling. That's the first thing you need to look at. And don't just assume that it's all coming from within you and it's internal. Um, listen to your intuition. Everyone understands that. Um, and if you feel that something's not right, address it, acknowledge it. And if you're in the presence of someone that's denying it or shutting you down or pulling the wool over your eyes, respectfully bow away and don't try to prove yourself and don't try to get lost in the other person's reality. But when you do have a tumultuous amount of emotions that are resonating inside of you to the point you can't breathe or you don't know what to do, the first thing is attend to your nutrition, attend to a doctor, attend to a psychologist, because they can immediately assist you within the medical system. Simultaneously, turn to someone that can help you understand the chakras inside of you, why they're fluctuating and resonating the same the way they are. Um, and before you know it, you'll start to heal. Um, my concern is that... <clears throat> There are a lot of people wanting to connect themselves. And in my life of work, I've seen it too much. And if I was to look at it, how it was 20 years ago to now, it's just getting higher and higher and higher, the statistics. So if you get to the point, listen carefully, if you get to the point where your life is horrible, there's no reason for you to live, and this world is too painful, before you go your mind make a decision to remove your soul out of this earth before you go do that how about you just change your life change your friends change your job change everything about you change it all watch magic happen i guarantee you you will not want to commit suicide after that but don't go committing suicide because the world is too loud the world is too painful the world is too ignorant that you feel completely disconnected you feel like a fish out of water, people don't understand you, you don't understand people, what's the point of living? Stop there. Change yourself, change your surroundings, change the people in your life, change your diet, 
change your thinking, change even what you wear, change it all. That's fantastic advice. I agree. Yeah, well, if you're going to leave the world and make yourself, why not do that first? Something else first. Mm. If it's... Well, uh, this has been a fantastic chat. Awesome. Thank you so I'm much for having it. me. Uh, Thank you for coming on. Awesome. Uh, maybe we'll catch you again another time. Definitely. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode and perhaps learned something new. If you did, I'd love for you to subscribe or drop a review on whatever favorite podcatcher you have. Or if you've been enjoying the video versions on YouTube or Facebook, do it there. If something really did click home for you with this episode, perhaps it could benefit one of your friends or family. If so, it'd really help if you shared this on your social medias. Until next time, you've been listening to Akasha Talks with Lance Baker.